how the government is handling the, the current uh, COVID situation. And, you know, there's a lot of criticism and yet this is kind of new territory. Never in our history have we had the opportunity to try to fight a, a pandemic with scientific tools uh, the way we've been able to do in, in this pandemic. Is it working? Well, it's not working ideally, that's for sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to say when you don't really have much of a, anything to compare with, right? Yeah. Like we, on, on one hand, we did manage to balance out and flatten that curve over two years. <laughs> I'm laughing because if you're watching this a couple of years from now, uh, the current numbers in Alberta, I think, are like 53,000 cases, which is like the highest it's been since the pandemic has started. And we're yep. basically two years into it. Uh, it's it's just crazy uh, what's going on. And, and, you know, getting around to that, too, uh, like, I, I, as, we, as we mentioned, we, we're both... Uh, vaccinated we've done our part to try to fight the pandemic uh, we're isolating social distancing wearing masks all of those good things um but some of the stuff that the government has done i just find a little bit it doesn't make any sense like for instance uh if you look at people who've already had the the disease who aren't vaxxed mm -hmm. you know we got this passport system and yet they've got immunity they've got natural yep. immunity to it why the heck aren't they being added to the passport system? And, and that, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it makes sense to me that they should be added so that, uh, you know, they can go about their activities and, and yeah, vision. Yeah, I, I think like, I, I'm against the whole passport system, but if you're going to have it in place, um, having a system where you can check people's antibodies, um, it's probably very uh, preferential. It would actually get uh, people who are anti-vax and do not trust the government in any way to go, hey, I can prove to you that I'm immune and that'll give me my freedoms back. And I, I wouldn't get all of them. Some people just don't trust the government, period. Right. But I think you would have a much higher adoption rate into such a program. But yeah, I still, still, still do not like that um, uh, freedoms and privileges for the compliant. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing that's kind of interesting, I was just uh, looking at somebody's post, and and um, if you look at the numbers of the people who've got the disease currently, it it almost looks as if being vaccinated doesn't help very much at all in terms of actually getting infected with it. Because uh, in Alberta, we've got about 80% vaccinated and 20%-ish uh, uh, that aren't vaccinated. And then that's pretty much exactly the, the lines that, um, you know, yeah. of, of the people who are infected right now. The, the one question, like, there is a slight increase in, in the number of unvaccinated uh, hospitalized people. The, the really interesting question, and I don't have the information on it, is... Uh, whether the people who are in intensive care, uh, what percentage of those people have been vaccinated? Post-interview uh, edit right here. Uh, to answer Jeff's question, yes, the vaccine appears to be reducing our ICU load with our 80% uh, vaccination rate. 
you can see here the per 100,000. Um, so it's not biased by our 80% vaccination rate, but you can see, yeah, if you get the, the jab, your chance of ending up in the ICU is severely reduced. And continuing with the interview. So, yeah, there's also a lot of different things that really mess with those numbers. And I, I've, I've been very frustrated with the reporting on it. Mm -hmm. um, especially as they change the uh, parameters on who qualifies and who's eligible for testing, which yeah. happened just recently as well, where they're saying, hey, unless you have um, symptoms, we're not, you're not, you can't get tested. And then you start doing that. And then all of a sudden the case, case fatality ratio climbs up and then it looks more dangerous than it really is. Uh, even, even as awesome as it was for our government to send out test kits mm -hmm. and make them available for free, you end up with a, another bias in your reporting that you didn't have before. I mean, it's okay if it's, if you're comparing only between times where they're always available, because then you can see relatively, well, you can compare points in time, mm -hmm. but with it, you have people who test, they test negative, they're never going to go in and be uh, test negative through the official channels. Right. Um, and hence why we're at like a 30% or whatever um, posit positivity rating right now, which sounds terrifying, but it's hard to contextualize. 30% positivity rating. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, so one of the interesting things that our, our, our family has gone through recently, um, we had planned before, you know, COVID hit back in this, you know, February of 2020, we had planned a trip to San Diego and um, that got postponed by a, a year and a half. We originally wanted to go in May of 2020 and of course everything was shut down and, and stuff. And then in the fall or in the summer, it looked like, hey, uh, things are getting better. Maybe we can plan our trip again. And so we planned to do it over the, uh, you know, the Christmas holidays uh, back in 2021 here, just a few weeks ago. And it, it was very interesting, the whole process, because now we had to have the vaccine passports. Uh, our, our son is uh, eight. And so he um, was only able to get a vaccine, one vaccine shot before uh, we were able to go because it had just recently been approved for children that young. And um, then there were the uh, American rules for entering the country. You had to be tested within 24 hours of, of departure. And then the Canadian rules for getting back into the country, which was a different test, a, a lab test that cost us $150 per person um, to get back into Canada. And uh, it had to be done within 36 hours of the departure time. So, you know, if, if your flight was delayed and we, we chose to uh, do it like three days out so we'd have time to get the results and everything, the results were available within the, by the next day around 2 p.m. But uh, we, we chose to go three days out. And if, if our flight had been delayed, you know, we potentially might not have been able to get on and, and come home because we wouldn't have been tested. And, and in a sense, that whole $600 US that we spent for the testing 
was uh, it's it's an extra travel tax. I mean, you could call it like a luxury tax imposed by the Canadian government uh, to the benefit of of the U.S. I guess, and um, it, it was just a very strange thing. Now we had obviously we had all our documents in order. We had the you know the vaccine official. They're not calling it a passport, but the official vaccine uh, documentation for all of our family. And then the the other thing that surprised us when we came back, we, we landed in Edmonton. And um, because our son only had one, one shot, he had to get tested on arrival. And we have to test him again. Uh, well, we tested him actually one week after. And um, then we've got... He, he had to go through the full 14-day quarantine. So even though uh, children were able to go back to school, he had to stay, uh, you know, stay back for an extra week. And it's interesting that the, the government has, you know, they, they extended the, uh, the Christmas break by one week because the COVID numbers were so bad. And in that time, they've gotten worse, <laughs> but they still yeah. sent the kids back to school. So I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's really confusing. Uh, the part that really kind of, makes it seem like our uh, UCP government really isn't organized on anything is the, the one that really hits home to me is way back when uh, cases first started dropping off last early summer-ish. Mm -hmm. um, they made the promise that they would focus entirely on hospital load. Right. And they said they would ignore caseload. And lo and behold, where are they now? <laughs> well, going on with numbers, case numbers again when you have numbers what is it 53,000 let me just check my wife texted me about this earlier today 57,000 uh, active yeah. cases in Alberta right now yeah it's about 5,000 per day or something like that it, it's, it's, it's hard, high, way higher than it's ever been. it's hard to ignore caseload right yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. it's it's that high yet they're not even testing everybody yeah. not entering everybody into the name I mean, obviously, a lot of this is going to have to do with uh, having come out of the holidays and, and people doing social gatherings. A lot of it, I'm sure, has to do with the natural, you know, the flu cycle where in the winter our, our immune systems are more depressed because we're not getting as much sunlight and vitamin D in our systems um, to fight the naturally fight the disease and probably not getting out and exercising as much. But uh, yeah, this is pretty radical. Also, Omicron. Huge, mm -hmm. huge part Omicron with how uh, how much virility it has and and thankfully thankfully actually that the the whole omicron thing has me very very hopeful this year that uh, was i think it'll spread through the population very very quickly mm -hmm. let's say one to three months and we should be able to have most people with antibodies in their system actual ones that's uh not fully immunize, but provide a better partial immunity to the virus and uh, allow us to get back on with our lives. That's what I'm crossing my fingers for. I'm wondering, you know, when, when we just throw in the towel and say, you know, screw it, um, people who are vaccinated or vaccinated, people who aren't, and uh, you go out there, you live your life, forget the masks, and we'll just roll the dice and, and you know, you, you survive or you don't. And I mean, it sounds horrible. Especially I, coming I think from that who, time, timeline wise, I think yeah. that'll probably come after case loads start dropping again. Yeah, I mean, 
there has to be a point where we say, you know, this is ridiculous. I mean, the Canadian national debt is uh, over what one two one point two trillion dollars right now, uh, yep. largely because of the fighting this vaccine in the last few years mm -hmm. or this virus. I mean, the virus, yeah. So. <clears throat> If you like what you've seen in this video, be sure to like and subscribe. Additionally, this is just a small segment of a much larger interview with myself and Jeff Kramer. Uh, a link to the full episode can be found in the link below at polarperspectives.locals.com. Additionally, this, web, this podcast has been assisted by a new platform coming out called Blind Knowledge. They should be launching near the end of the month, which should be January 2022. And you can check them out. Link again in the description at blindknowledge.com. Thank you and have a good day.